0: Hello and welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're at home, on your way to work, or at the gym, we hope you enjoy this episode. And a special welcome to our Crux Club early access members. You can learn more about that at crux-club.com. Enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to Crux Investor. Here we are today with Justin Hune, and we're going to be talking to him about the events of this week. Been another highly interesting week in the world of Uranium, hasn't it, Justin?
1: very interesting week yeah how you doing matt good to talk to you as always
0: not too bad not too bad it's um we we should i I got too excited i got carried away i wanted to get get into it but yes the pleasantries the pleasantries are it is a balmy day here in the uk so balmy that uh, moments ago i had to come in because my feet were getting cold we're sort of dizzy heights of 15 degrees What, what about you
1: yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, just a nice, relaxing Sunday morning um, where I'm at. It's very hot here. It's uh, it's going to be above ninety Fahrenheit, which is I think thirty two, thirty three. Oh boy! Celsius, which is for me kind of uncomfortably hot, but I'm not complaining. It's been such a cold and rainy spring and late winter so far, and it just it lets kill off the virus everywhere. Bring the heat what's is that what's going to do,
0: is that what's gonna do? <coughs>
1: bring the heat bring the, oh yeah.
0: bring the bleach is that it
1: yeah yeah the beaches were packed yesterday
0: oh no I said I said bleach
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh bleach yeah <laughs> sure why not
0: why not bring your
1: bleach to the beach and, and give it a double whammy oh
0: man that sounds like a new cure <laughs> right and that that's a that's a paper right there uh, there you go or maybe maybe we should stay away from the medical and and fo- focus on uh, uranium we know a little bit more Agreed. about that, a little bit, but sure. Should we should we do it? Let's do it. Okay. So this week, U.S. Department of Energy releases its long-awaited response to the 232 petition, in the shape of a document called "Restoring America's Competitive Nuclear Energy Advantage." Just rolls off the tongue, rolls off the tongue, but <laughs> in there is what I thought was quite a uh, good summary of what uh, the U.S. needs to be looking at if it is indeed to revitalize the nuclear energy sector in the U.S. What did you make of it?
1: I I make of it pretty much exactly what you just said. I think it was very thorough. And I think the, the, the language in that document is just unbelievably positive. Um, I think a lot of the pieces in there are are what many of us were expecting. You know, a pretty thorough support of the entire fuel cycle and of nuclear energy domestically in general. So, hopefully, we see um, support for the utilities and stated support for um, conversion and enrichment, the entire front end of the fuel cycle, mining, easing of. Permitting and regulations, perhaps opening of some federal lands, Um, just resoundingly positive. I, 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 I've mentioned before just that going back a few years, uh, you know, kind of in the early stages of getting into this thesis, uh, and just imagining that this something like this would ever happen was completely just off the table. You know, U.S. as the as the largest consumer of uranium. with uh you know around 50 million pounds consumed by uh annually by by the reactors in the states uh but we never just um we never really thought that we thought that generally the the reactors would just be on life support and maybe we see extensions we never really thought that we would see this type of reinvigorated support from the government it's it's really quite profound
0: that's amazing it's 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 one of those things we 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 got to think about how different people reacted to it, okay? So we've seen a lot of feedback um, to us, asking us questions about, you know, why weren't there dollar signs in, in there? Why weren't names named, you know, beneficiaries' <coughs> names? Why wasn't there information about timing? What does it actually mean? And I think the truth is it was probably always destined to be a framework policy document, that seems to a phrase which is being used um, by the great and the good at the moment. And it was never going to be about issuing cash to specific individuals. And, you know, we're, we're here to talk about uranium miners, aren't we? You know, those are the guys we're, t- we're talking about. Obviously, it's great for the industry as a whole. I think utilities must be licking their chops about what may be coming down the line. Obviously, nothing nothing's uh, has gone through Senate, the Senate at the moment, but... Right. It's an indication of intent to reinvigorate that sector. So so I think that's very exciting, very exciting. But what does it mean in the short term? And you know, what should people, retail investors, family offices, be thinking about in terms of investment? So let's bring it back to that. Because the things that stood out for me in the document were about the direct purchasing, starting in... 2020. Do you think that's realistic? And who who do you think is going to benefit from that?
1: Um, It's hard to say uh, if that's realistic or not. Uh, You know, a few months ago, we saw that it was in the budget proposal for 2021 Mm -hmm. for there to be $150 million per year to purchase domestically mined uranium. Uh, But in this document, they're saying 17 to 19 million pounds total over who knows how many years for the strategic stockpile. Presumably um, 10. But they,
0: there must be over the ten. Presumably
1: years 10, straight. right, right. Which is what we were hearing that it would be 1.5 billion over 10 years. That was the proposal yeah. um, that was related to the 2021 budget, you know, which is yet to be voted on to my understanding. Um, you know, and everything in this as you called it policy document <clears throat> will still need congressional approval, which is why I think that there probably were is lacking in hard numbers. Mm. Um, that will probably just get proposed and voted on. Um, who will who will benefit? You know, I've also heard that 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 direct purchasing might not be they might not purchase inventories. So we we know that you know for example, uh, Peninsula, UR Energy, Energy Fuels, they all have a bit of inventory that can be sold at least into the market, but presumably it's to support the the mining. Um, and, and so that, that direct purchasing will go from fresh pounds mined out of the ground. So who are the companies that can get into into production quickly um, and at a, a decent price? So we we still don't know the price that the government is going to pay and how that's going to be negotiated. You know, these are all still details. So in a lot of ways, much of the overhang from the working group has has passed, but at the same time, you know, investors in, uh, let's say your energy, energy fuels, uranium energy corporation, et cetera, still don't have those hard numbers of how exactly these companies are going to be affected by this, by this policy, if and when it's voted in. So it's, it's really hard to say, but you know, those, those are some of the companies that can get into production quickly.
0: Yeah. Or, or, or who have pounds at surface, right? So,
1: you know, yeah, I think or between, Cameco as well
0: and Cameco as well. Right they, they they would be in the running a Canadian company
1: I believe so I believe so it's you know that's still a little bit unclear but um it's generally thought that that just if the pounds are mined in the United States that that would be supported by this program but, but we don't know yet um you know a bunch of these companies that are operating in the United States actually have their you know their their corporate filings in Canada so what does that mean for for the <laughs> For the purchasing, I don't really know, but I think that that they'll have support.
0: So it's it's kind of and, and you know I apologize to the, those of you who are super intelligent, super into this, and super into the detail. But there's there's a whole audience who aren't. Um, I think it's going to be good for all of us if generalist investors start moving into this space. It gets the liquidity going. It's good. It's good news. So we need to bring this conversation down to a level where. Um, you know, more people can understand it whether you perhaps haven't been in it for the last three, four years. So let's just talk about what the um what, bit more about what that could mean. So there's there's this recommendation has come out, this policy document, if you were, has, has come out. We're talking it gives a bit more colour around the intent of the US Department of Energy, but is by no certain means a done thing. It's, it is a bipartisan document, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a shoe-in. It just means that uh, the, it's, it's got the buy-in from both sides of the floor. So that's good news. But in terms of timing, we don't know a lot about how this thing ramps up and how quickly it ramps up, and if it's kind of more hockey stick or if it's going to you know, slowly move into gear and the stakeholders will be involved and engaged um over the next few months to define a path forward or if there is a plan in the background and it's a case of you know let's press the press the green button and off we go so n- n- none of this is known at the moment so as an investor into or potential investor into the uranium space there's still a lot of uncertainty but it's a good start would you would you agree with that
1: it's a great start yeah You know, I mean, investing in mining companies in general, one of the big things that that you take into account is jurisdiction risk. And although there's big differences between the different states in the United States, simply to have, um, you you know, a document and a a policy document like this, this type of language coming from the government, I think de-risks quite a bit when it comes to the, the U.S. uranium mining companies. And I think that that's
0: pretty positive for sure. It's positive, but yeah. let's, let's get on to the, the kind of the, the, the potential red flags here, which, which is that until there's a bit more certainty about the behavior of the, you know, the, and the timing from the U S government, it means that the companies themselves um, can't go and have conversations about potential fundings or to get an idea of the cost of those fundings. It means that, the utilities still you know, th- th- there's no certainty for them. It's very, very positive, but there's no certainty for them. And it comes back to, I guess, the macro figures around the supply demand gap and the inventory levels, which I think are mostly, I think mostly um, issued May every year, U.S. utilities. So we're going to get a, a little o- opening of the kimono there and a little, little <laughs> bit of leg. and uh see if we can uh get get some clues as to um how they're feeling you know are they Mm -hmm. they've got three years of inventory two years 18 months what's it looking like because we can do some math with that can't we
1: indeed yeah yeah we should we should hear some numbers pretty soon on uh u.s utility inventory and um I think that uh, we're we're looking at less than two years, and we'll see when it comes out for sure, but less than two years of inventory, um, and considering that we have a pretty high percentage of U.S. utilities uncovered beginning kind of in 2022 and increasing pretty drastically beyond that, and a two-year fuel cycle with less than two years of U-308 inventory. Um, we're expecting utilities to to come to the contracting table very soon. And from what I'm hearing so far, utilities, generally speaking, are not yet believing this move, um, which I think a lot of investors as well. So we're, we're seeing, you know, a, a pretty nice move in the spot market up about 35% in a month, which is pretty amazing. We're now up 33, above $33. Um, I think we'll see the long-term price adjusted up pretty drastically at month end. Um, not holding my breath there, but <clears throat> that's what I'm hearing. And um, But this move has been basically entirely producers buying Cameco and, to some extent, Orino and traders. So you've got carry traders that have promised pounds out into the future through carry trade contracts who are covering, buying those pounds to actually deliver, seeing that the price is rising. They don't want to get caught further short than they already are. And then other traders not engaging in carry trade, but just buying pounds off of the open spot market to sell back into the market in the future, presumably at a higher price. And that's been the bulk of what's been moving the spot market. So the utilities, as far as I can tell, and from everything I've heard have not really yet come into the market. And to me, that's profoundly bullish to see this to see the pricing environment moving so swiftly upwards without even having the main players at the table is is pretty remarkable. It's It's showing us how thin the spot market is. <clears throat> and I think that we really, the next month is going to be really so telling with those inventory numbers and whether or not we hear of any term contracting or not. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy.
0: Isn't that a case of, you know, who's blinked first? I mean, do you feel that the utility buyers still know more than the rest of the market? Do you think there's, uh, you know, off-market buying going on? Do you think there's more inventory than perhaps we realize? Do you think utility bars are willing to let this run down to one year of inventory level because they know they can quickly come back into them? They they could come into the market and, and and get the pounds, or do you think they realize this? Well, I think the perceived severity of the situation with regards to you know Camaco and Kazan and Prom, you know, needing time to be able to produce enough pounds in the market, is there? A, there's a game of chess here, right?
1: Indeed, yeah. There, there's a lot of questions there, but um, I think. Well, first of all, I don't know that we can necessarily make a broad generalization about utility fuel buyers. Um, from what I hear, the guys that work for the big boys, so let's say Duke and Exelon, are very, very sharp. <clears throat> and they know they know the market, and they're paying attention. Um, and so they may already be in contract negotiations as we speak, but have yet to uh, sign on the dotted line. Or... Perhaps that information has not come out to us yet. There should be some good clarity on that on Kamico's conference call on May first, before the market opens. So, but I but to answer the other questions, I I don't think that uh, utilities generally know more than what uh, some of us know who are tracking the market quite closely. I think what's going on is <clears throat> there is a, a belief that when these temporary closures. Um, reopen, so Cigar Lake, which they might be assuming opens sooner rather than later because Adam Prom comes back, um, even though neither of these players are selling into the spot market, um, for some reason, there tends to be a belief that the spot price will fall back down into the 20s when that happens. And so there might be a lot of utility fuel buyers that are just waiting to see how this plays out, considering uh, the head fakes we've had in the past couple of years. Um I don't think it's going to happen, and I, I don't necessarily think we see a moonshot. But I don't think prices fall back down in the twenties. I'd be very surprised. to see so, that.
0: okay, let's okay. Let's say it doesn't go down to the, into the twenties. Um, it stays, you know, thirty. Was it where was it Friday? Thirty-three and a half, that sort of level.
1: Thirty-three. Yep. That right. was ask. Thirty-three twenty-five. I think.
0: Okay. Okay. So you think it's going to hang around, there, or thereabouts? It's not going to reduce. What What does that do for the equities, you know, what what what's it going to do for the near term producers? What's it going to do for the the guys who are just developing, just in development stage? You know, should should people be getting excited? Um, I'm talking about the generalists coming in. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always keen to say, well, how how do you spot the winners? How do you spot the ones who are going to go? Because you know, if you new to mm-hmm. if you're new to this, what are you looking for? Uh, Because they're all saying, all of these companies are saying, we need 50 bucks, we need 60 bucks. And as a newbie coming in here, it's at 30 bucks, 33 bucks. No one's doing anything with that. I'll hold off and go and invest somewhere else. I'll I'll come back when it's sort of getting the the spot prices moving. Is, Is that the attitude to investing in the uranium space?
1: I don't know that that's necessarily the attitude from the investing standpoint. It might be for somebody that's kind of uh, new to the space, but um, even though you're right that most companies that are or will be producing need prices north of fifty bucks, and in some many cases north of sixty bucks, the move from thirty-three dollars up to fifty dollars, it's you know it's not like the equities are going to stay flat until they have that magic number where they can actually move towards creating some type of positive cash flow um, the the move in the equities typically is huge um, and so generally what what you what we're looking for is to see increasing volume and increasing share prices for the large caps so that's you know the uranium participation yellow cake casatden prom Cameco. Um, um, stepping down you'd see next gen potentially fission denison and then working your way down to the mid small caps um so there's a lot of people that that ask me, I get to ask this frequently, you know, should we be investing in the large caps first because they're going to move the most with institutional money and rotate that into the small caps? And I never really feel like I have a great answer for that because while I agree that that is what will happen, and i I think I think the impetus to invest in the large caps has more to do with um, reduced volatility and higher liquidity for larger investments rather than trying to grasp the bulk of the biggest move because the small and mid caps they they move so much on such a smaller amount of money so you can have you know millions and millions of dollars flow into Cameco and get a couple percent move and you can have $5000 flow into a flow into a small cap and have it jump up 10% so it's in if you're okay with that lack of liquidity And you're not trying to trade in and out. And you see this as a more of a mid to long term play. um, It's very hard to say whether or not you should go for a small mid cap or large cap as far as the investing is concerned. I think everything is going to move. And if you look at um, just look at weekly charts for everything in the space and every single uranium stock has had a V-shaped recovery, kind of at least to the pre-crash levels. But some of the strong ones are at. 52 week highs, if not all time highs right now. Um, so it's generally speaking, the rising tide, I think it's going to lift all ships and a long answer to your question, uh, that move in uranium price, getting from where we are to where we need to be to incentivize, uh, care and maintenance mines to to come on at the least, regardless of, of bringing on greenfield projects or development projects, moving the equity should be massive
0: yeah yeah i think that, i think that's fair here's another question talking of questions which are thrown at us and like you know we do we do get back and we answer everyone and but sometimes questions keep coming back and this is one which keeps coming back which is to do with the the price of uranium we obviously we know it's maybe a conversation later, later today or another or another call which is around the difference between and the correlation between spot price and term price but the question we're asked is, in fact, sometimes it's phrased very peculiar. It's like, I have heard, so you, you know, you're in for a good one when it's, when it's I have heard. <laughs> I have heard that Kazatomprom and Cameco have agreed to keep the price down at around 40 bucks because that suits them and it stops new entrants coming into the market. So I'm going to give you the challenge of explaining why that is. Or is not the case?
1: Great question. Mm. Uh, Challenge accepted. Um, (laughs) uh, I I have not heard that they have actually made that agreement, but I have heard much speculation on that. Um, I would tend to agree that maintaining market share is something that both of these companies are very likely interested in. And if let's say they allow the price to get away from them um, and shoot up in, in, a, in a spike environment to the point where new projects come online or even some of the higher cost care and maintenance mines, so let's say like Paladin's Langer Heinrich, um, they start to lose a little bit of market share, um, assuming that we're not in a massively huge, high volume contracting cycle where everybody wins. So, <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm actually, we're, we're speaking on a Sunday. I'm going to release a, uh, just a free newsletter later today, where I'm talking about kind of these two potential outcomes. And, uh, that's in completely related to what we're talking about here with market share and price environment. Um, I think that they do have a vested interest in maintaining market share and we get prices in, let's say the 40 to $50 range. I think that there's a lot of pounds because Adam Prom and Cameco, and then to some extent Orano and Uranium One would be willing to contract at that price. Um, <clears throat> whether or not that caps the spot price, I don't know. Um, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. And I really think a lot of it has to do with um, how the U.S. utilities uh, play this, how soon they come to the contracting table. So if they essentially kind of sit on their hands for another six to eight months, um, maybe we see a contract signed here or there. Um, maybe we see a little bit of spot price, uh, spot market action from the utilities. Um, and, but we don't really see that volume come in on the term contracting side and they wait, let's say till Q1 2021, which to, it, from what I can tell is starting to get into a dire situation for some of the U.S. utilities that are uncovered in 2022 with minimal inventories. I think then we could see a, a very quickly rising price environment that could, that has the potential of the price getting away from Chemico and and probably maintaining that market share. But if they start to come in soon and we start to see the beginning of a legit contracting cycle, let's say in the next six months, we could see that price rise up into, let's say, forty-ish spot, fifty-ish term, and it could chop around there for a while. Um, I think that's kind of a, a second way that we could see this. And you know, for, with for me as a investor or a speculator in the space, I don't really care which one those, those which one happens. Obviously, a sooner price spike would be, uh, uh, you know, like the last market it was insane and i i don't think anyone who's in the industry wants to see that happen i would rather see a healthy um sustained rise um in you know to incentivize production and maintain uh, a somewhat healthy market but i just don't know which way it's going to play out we're really going to have to see how the us utilities act in the next 6 months
0: i think i think that's right i mean well you, you say the people in the industry too I'd, I'd say the uranium investors the generalists are being told and fed these headlines of these, you know, meteoric rise in share prices in the previous cycle. I think the crypto guys are in here because, you know, they what they expect these sorts of meteoric mm-hmm. rises too. You know, when we sure. we we, call, we sort of understood that about a year ago about the of expectations would it, would attract a certain type of investor in, into the market. Um, so I think you know. I agree the industry doesn't want it because it co- it can cause problems. It can cause a lot of white noise. Um, you know, we were speaking with Dustin Garrow actually earlier this week. Um cracky, when was that? Thursday, Friday. I've I've literally don't know what day of the week it is that folks. Um It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Where he was saying, um, you know, because we had that conversation about all boats rising on high tide, et cetera, and Right. He the the insight that he gave um, was that you know he's, he he'd sort of attended press conferences where you have CEOs sort of standing up in the front of a room full of utility buyers you know telling them how things how they're going to get into production by X date with X pounds and it's all going to be fine and you know and he said you can literally see the eyes of the utility buyers just. Closing over or rolling their eyeballs in their head, going, <laughs> There There are still a lot of you know the uninitiated in here, you know. Mm. And so, you know, I, I guess there's a little bit of you know the, the old timers are looking at the new kids and going, What do you know? and you know, and th- and I guess a lot of that is true, and and mm-hmm. um, a little bit of it is, um, well, you know, let me tell you how it's done, Sonny. So, um but, but it does make you sort of stop and think about the way that the utilities go about buying and the comfort that they need to be able to put these contracts in place. Because you know, a lot of these companies, it's not just, obviously, as we know, and I said we'll talk about it another time, it's not just about spot. It's, you know, but it, spot do, is the kind of um, the emotional bit of the, the <laughs> sentiment that people sort of buy into. It's the quick, ready, reckoner It's the visible bit, you know, you don't get to look at. Every day if you're a retail bar you know what's going on in the term market what, what are the terms you know it's, it's a much slower moving data point so spot is important but the industry as a whole is generally built on, on, the, on these term contracts and, and these can be all sorts of colors and structures and bells and whistles but you know essentially it's based on a on a, um, a view of um, the supply demand uh, cycle and um you know pr- it's you know, priced accordingly okay so with new entrants or the potential of new entrants coming in the marketplace it, it can you know f- affect people's view of the market um, yeah. however the utilities are looking at again okay, we know exactly who or which which assets can and are unlikely or are or are unlikely to get into production not because of the management but maybe because of you know the geology maybe because of the infrastructure maybe because of the fact that the cost of putting this all in place and the cost of finance is going to be prohibitive um, in terms of being actually being able to make some money so the, 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 there are a lot of unknowns in a very already opaque market um, but I, I I agree with you just I think we'll see a little bit more over the next month I'd like to think we'd see a little bit more over the next month would give us a few data points but I you know I, I do think it's it's um, difficult for people coming in to the Uranium space, and saying, well, I'm going to take a portfolio approach and invest in a handful of these companies when they may be well invested elsewhere. They may be in gold, copper, silver. They may be in yeah. other, other spaces. So, you know, they maybe they don't have a choice of investing across five companies in a meaningful way. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued as to when these generalists, when these crypto guys are going to get comfortable um, to, enough to be able to make a decision. So, I mean, what, what, what do you what do you right. think? What do you think's is going to happen over the next month that's going to maybe give a bit of clarity to, to these people?
1: <clears throat> you cut out there for a second. Oh, sorry, um, what do I think is going to happen in the next month? Why?
0: Yeah. What do you think is going to happen over the next month? What are the data points we're going to get to be able to make better investment decisions?
1: Well, we've got Cameco's conference call on Friday, uh-huh. uh, May first. Uh, um, we'll be doing like a, actually with um, FTMIG, the uh, Follow the Money Investment Group, and Terry Papineau and um, Andrew Weekly. Going to do a like a follow up post game, uh, <laughs> post game chat on Discord um, that should be interesting. Uh-huh. Um, so we should, I think, there's going to be a lot of investing ears listening to that call. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of big money wanting to know exactly what Cameco is thinking. That's going to be a really big event in in the space. Um, We have the U.S. utilities inventory reported. We generally think that's going to be in the low 90s, uh, million pounds, less than two years inventory. We'll see. Um, We'll have the month-end uranium prices reported by UXC and Trade Tech, um, uh, which everyone will be watching to see um, well, what's going to happen to the conversion price and the UF6 price with the closure of Port Hope? Um, how is SWOO moving? Did SWU's kind of gone sideways for a few months after making a good move up over the past 18 months? Is that started to move again, which is the cost of enrichment? And more importantly, the term contract pricing. Will the price reporters actually start to give a more honest and realistic reporting to the term price? I think that we're going to see something positive there. Um So those are some data points that we'll be seeing. I fully expect, let's see, in the next 30 days, I think we'll be north of 35 spot, and I think we'll probably be in the high 30s term. And um, I believe that um, if we see the broad market uh, weaken, so the Dow or the S&P fall and spot sort of languishes on the day or the week that happens, we could see a little bit of a pullback. your uh, uranium equities have had like a pretty strong five to six weeks, almost straight up, a couple of bull flag um, consolidations. But um, so we could see a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a rest. But if spot just keeps chugging and the broad market stays at least flat, I think we're going to see the equities continue to run. And, um, you know, I just I, I keep getting emails and Twitter direct messages saying, I feel like I'm late to the game. I missed the bottom. And I just say, like, weekly charts. Look at weekly charts, at least weekly charts, <clears throat> if not monthly, and you'll see how you're so damn close to the bottom. Um, it's unbelievable, and this is this is a minimum three years, probably a five plus year uh, market. And so, if you're listening to this and you haven't bought yet, I guarantee you you're, you're so darn near the bottom that um, you know don't stress too much about entries because in hindsight. That you're going to be pleased I think with with injuries in this range I,
0: I absolutely agree with that this fascination with you know hitting the perfect bottom it, it does not exist neither does hitting the perfect cap you know you if you're there or thereabouts and you feel that the long-term view is positive get in now now's the time um yeah because I you know it's it's, it's interesting I, I was sort of thinking about this before the before we got on the call um because it's kind of felt like sort of two or three years of like highway hypnosis. Do you know, do you know that um, feeling where you sort of go on a long journey <laughs> and you arrive at the other right. end and you don't quite know how you got there? That, <laughs> that's been yeah. uranium uranium invested right. for the last three <laughs> years, right? Just, there's, yeah. You've got this partial or complete amnesia to, to what just happened. But I think... It feels like we're getting close, and I think people are are waking up. The hypnosis uh, effect is, is is wearing off, and we're having to kind of wake up and read the signs. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of the signs are here, more so than this time last year, more so than this time last year. You know, we we just got into the uranium space properly, totally, just over a year ago, and we were just you know, looking at this kind of bizarre <clears throat> scene and. Um, Bizarre statements, um, bizarre enthusiasm. I mean, almost anarchic enthusiasm. And, you know, people are going, def- defending their position to the hilt without much data. But I think, I think we're here. So, that, so that's good news. Um, Justin, mm. I need a favor from you. Okay. I am speaking to Bill Sheriff this week. And you know nice. a lot about one of his companies. What can you tell me? Give me some clues.
1: Give you, give you some clues about Bill Sheriff?
0: Bill Sheriff's company,
1: yeah. We're, we're,
0: I'm talking to him. <coughs> I, I want to know what he's I, the what CEO I of
1: go? Encore Energy. Exactly.
0: And I've seen in your, in your newsletter, uraniuminsider.com. Actually, he's,
1: he's not CEO, he's director. He's director. Oh my God. The, Dennis over CEO. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. I need, I need um, to know what you know.
1: I really like Bill. I, I think Bill is one of the sharpest people in the industry. Um, <clears throat> Bill and uh, some of the members of the current team at Encore, they um, they created uh, energy metals during the last market. His timing was unbelievable. and Energy metals went from, uh, I think it was a $1.7 million market cap in 2004, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. And they sold for 1.8 billion to Uranium One in 2007. Um, it was just, it was, you know, we all hear the story of Paladin, um, and but Paladin was not the only one to to do what what they did. Um, they were they were nearing production. Um, Energy Metals was, and they went on a on an acquisition spree. I think at one point they had um, upwards of five acquisitions over the course of an 18 month period. <clears throat> during the last bull market. Um, Bill, Bill's just a really humble guy. He's very sharp. He's not much of a salesperson. So um, it's, he runs a very quiet company and um, they run a very tight ship. I think out of m- most of the companies in the space, I feel like the way that he runs on court <clears throat> and also um, golden predator with uh, his wife, who's the CEO of golden predator, mm-hmm. Um, Janet, <clears throat> she's extremely sharp as well. And um, I think that they just, they really, out of most companies, show a pretty sincere uh, respect for shareholders um, more than anything. So, um, And then they they recently just announced um, this new company that is a uh, collaboration between Encore, Golden Predator, and EnviroLeach. Uh, EnviroLeach, yes, yes. yeah, it's called Group Eleven. Group Eleven Technologies and EnviroLeach makes environmentally friendly solutions to extract minerals. Um, so they do a lot of extracting gold um, and other metals from e-waste. <clears throat> but Golden Predator has always has uh, already started to process ore in uh, at their project Brewery Creek. Um, and, and test process uh, using this iodine-based environmentally friendly solution, having incredible results. So, Encore and Golden Predator both now own 40% of this Group 11, and um, you know their intention essentially is to bring um, ISR to, to to marry ISR recovery with environmentally friendly solutions for extraction of gold and other metals. Um, so that's very very exciting he's really excited about it the last few times i've talked with him he's just he's like losing sleep over it and he thinks it's going to be a major market disruptor so that's really exciting to see um and hopefully we'll, we'll hear more about that in the near future but i hope you enjoy your talk with him he's he's very very friendly very sharp and he he also keeps things pretty close to the vest, you know. He's not going to come out and just hit smack you over the face with how excellent everything is with his companies. You've got to kind of read between the lines. You, you always get a sense that he's got something up his sleeve, and he probably does. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's not a company we've looked at. Um, I, I think you, like a lot of people, uh, suggest that Bill is pretty sharp, uh, very knowledgeable, And you know has a plan, so looking forward to that one immensely. And I I guess I should talk to the 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 other half of the power couple, Janet, at some point. By sounds of it,
1: yeah, yeah. Golden Predators are an interesting story too. They're doing some unique stuff up there at Brewery Creek, and yeah, she's she's very sharp as well. They make a they make a good team, I think.
0: Good, good, good. Well, look. Sir, I had better let you get back to the the, the bleach on the beach and uh get get, get yourself well.
1: Uh, oh, I'm we, feeling great. We've got yeah, we've got something good. there. We've
0: got something there.
1: A, I think so too. That's, a, yeah. that's
0: at least a t-shirt.
1: Don't you? Get yourself some bleach, get oh. out to the beach. I'm serious. Yeah.
0: I'm serious. I think this is it. <laughs> we've, we've had a moment. Just don't
1: inject it. Don't, Don't inject the bleach. Apparently that's what Trump told everybody to do. But, I, I love yeah. Joe, Joe Biden's tweet the other
0: day. He said, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but please do not
1: drink bleach. God. Which, <laughs> yeah, he, he, Trump did not say that, but, you know, yeah. whatever he says will be skewed in every direction to fit yeah. a narrative. It's all happening. It's all happening. Yeah, yeah.
0: So well, um. So, what are you, what are you up to the weekend? What, what's this weekend's plans? Because mine's almost over. Obviously, we're, we're speaking much later than usual because my fault. Yeah, very busy and you know, bad planning. So
1: yep. Well, you- it's Sunday, so, so Sunday for me is my writing day. So I'm gonna do some do some work and write. Finish up that that newsletter piece that I mentioned about kind of digging into the two possible paths that we could see in the short to midterm. Um, so that. I'm going to finish that up. And uh, I think I'm going to get out into the garden once the heat dissipates at the end of the day. Mm. And, uh, plant, plants good. a winter squash.
0: Yeah. That sounds good. Well, look, oh, yeah. and if if everyone hasn't already done so, I do recommend going to uraniuminsider.com, having a look around. Justin also runs a newsletter, which uh, seems to be a growing at a vociferous rate. So do maybe have a chat to him about that. Justin, I'll let you go. I'll be on time next week. I apologize. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: No problem. All good. You you as well, Matt. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Okay, we'll speak soon. Cheers. Cheers, mate.